This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Ned Ryerson? Bang! <laughs> so did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned? Or no, what? Phil, I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, oh man, it is Groundhog's Day. Helping us on today's podcast, from Afford Anything, please welcome Paula Pant. And from LenPenzo.com, Bill Murray. No, I'm just kidding. He's chasing groundhogs over and ah, it's just, it's Len Penzo. And from the Stacking Benjamin Show, oh, but that's not all. How about a fintech company trying to make mortgages easier? We'll talk to Vishal Garg, CEO of Better. Plus, we'll answer the Bloom hotline for a lucky listener and serve up some Groundhog Day trivia. And now, because he poked his nearly bald head out, and that means one more hour of podcasting this week, Joe Saul Sihai. And welcome back to Groundhog Day. And my, sadly, I am very close to bald. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And we've got a fantastic Groundhog Day edition of the show today. First of all, sitting across the rickety card table from me, as always, the one and only OG. We have a fantastic Groundhog Day today. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day, not Groundhog's Day, is it? I think Doug's got that wrong. I, I don't know. Are there multiple Groundhogs? 
don't let's, know. It might be. Let's ask there the pro, the person. Let's go to Dad Shortwave and see if we've got the person that knows more about this than anybody, I'm sure, on Earth. It is from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Well, we've been introduced as a crack team, which means we are clearly on crack. <laughs> it must be. Something's bad. So it, tell me, groundhog or groundhogs? You're clearly I the expert. groundhogs, plural, because in every given geographic location, there has to be at least one or multiple groundhogs. Because otherwise, you can't have six additional weeks of winter everywhere, like universally, right? Like the, the weather's going to be different in Alaska as it is in Florida. So if you don't have a groundhog in Alaska, then you can't have the six weeks of winter. Is that what you're saying? Well, isn't the idea that the groundhog pops up and if he sees a shadow, he goes, he gets scared of the shadow and goes back in the hole. Therefore, winter is going to last for another six weeks. But if he doesn't see a shadow, then spring is going to come immediately, which basically is a very confusing way of saying, is it sunny today or not? Right. (laughs) Ned, Ned Ryerson? There's somebody, Paula, who is, I believe, on our shortwave, who hasn't poked his head out of his bunker in years. It's uh, from LemPenzo.com. LemPenzo. No, but I we should have bunker day. That's a great idea. You know, the Groundhog Day thing has always confused me too, Paula, because if it's sunny out, wouldn't you think, you know, then he sees a shadow, you would actually think that spring would be here, wouldn't you? It's on the but way. It's reverse. Right. It's, total, it's so confusing. I hate exactly. this holiday. I am protesting this holiday now, Len. <laughs> I've had Good enough. Good for you, Joe. Yes. Good it's for you. Mind-blowing holiday. Actually, you know what else is mind-blowing? The fact that we are having the Stacky Benjamins experience. That was so bad. Uh, <laughs> we're having the Stacky Benjamins experience April 13th through 15th in Clearwater, Florida. You can join OG and Kathleen and I in Florida. For those of you in Northern, talk about cold climates, especially here after Groundhog Day. You're going to want to join us. You're going to show up hoping you'll get a great financial plan. And by the end of the weekend, you'll know more about your money, more about your budget. You'll have the milestones you need to reach your goals. And we're going to have a fun time doing it. You know what's going to happen, Paula? They might get to play a board game with me if they come. Ooh, and um, maybe somebody will bake a cake in the shape of a groundhog. That may be. Oh, gee. <laughs> hint, hint. Hello, man. Yeah, so we're going to have some some stretch goals on the number of people that come. And maybe you might see Doug there. You might see Len there. And you might see Paula there. If I show up, I'm bringing groundhog paraphernalia. You're going to have a groundhog on the plane as your support animal? Oh, they ban those now. Delta doesn't allow it. Stecky. They don't like groundhogs? No, they'd really put their foot down on groundhogs and turkeys and chickens and all sorts of barnyard animals. Yeah, I listened to this. I listened to this podcast, uh, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, and she was talking a couple weeks ago about somebody that brought a, a kangaroo as their support animal. Duh. <laughs> yeah, because why wouldn't you? Right. Anyway, Stacky Benjamin. I went to a kangaroo with my car once. <laughs> I'm going to try to get. He hit me. <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this piece. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash experience for more. This show's becoming an experience already. And we're presented by Magnify Money. How would you like to say $450? Because that's what the average person saves when they head to Magnify Money. Shopping for the best in checking accounts, savings accounts, maybe getting a better credit card than you have now, refinancing those student loans. Whatever it is, it's on magnifymoney.com. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money says, we sent you, as mom says, we sent you. We've got a great show today. We're going to talk about the fire movement. You guys ready to get on fire? Are you ready? What is that? Is that that Jodley Dumas uh, thing, Entrepreneur on Fire? You, you ready, Paula, to ignite? Joe, 
How come you always say we have a great? Do you ever say we have a crap show today? We have. A, you never say that. It's always a great show. I oversell, under deliver. That's the name of the game. Smart. <laughs> so let's move. We have a mediocre show today. <laughs> Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show: our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first piece comes to us from the. It's is it the Taucan? 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 What do you think, Paula? I I don't know. Talk um, can- I read. I did read the article this time. T- what's up with that? Talk can- <laughs> I know, right? I got, I got bored. <laughs> the Talkan blog, Quest for Joyful Life and Financial Independence. I was clicking on this thing because it says fire.rip.2014-2018. And it says, when I created this blog, the sole purpose was to chronicle our journey for financial independence and joyful life. I wanted to share my knowledge with like-minded people. Goes on to say... That uh, without even knowing it, he was taking part in this FIRE movement, which is financial independence, retire early. And basically, Paula Pant, sticking with you, it it seems like old uh, Bob here, not that excited about the FIRE movement. Well, he talks about a couple of things. There's a great quote in there that says something to the effect of, uh, no matter where you go, there you are. So if you're not happy now as you're working towards FIRE, you're not going to be happy later when you are in fire, on fire, on fire. pants on fire, <laughs> after you've been fired, which is a really good point. Like uh, happiness cannot be deferred until later. So to the people who think that I'll only be happy after X, Y, Z, and that X, Y, Z in this case happens to be early retirement, you know, check that assumption because you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. That doesn't mean you should spend gratuitously, but it does mean that you need to cultivate some sort of inner happiness, some sense of contentment with your life. Yeah, Len, I think that resonates with you, doesn't it? What Bob says here that to Paula's point, if if you don't like your job now, are you really going to, things going to get better in your early retirement? Yeah, I t- totally agree. And I, and I think I think what he's kind of talking about here too is a lot of people for t- are just using this retirement as a catch-all to make things better, but it's not guaranteed. I mean, what you've really got to do is is <laughs> way start way back in the beginning and find what you want to do and do it, and don't chase jobs, especially for money, if you can at all help it. So it's very important to start on a track early on doing something that you love, and hopefully you can work towards a way to make money from it. I think that's the best way to do it. But if you're not happy in your job, I'm not necessarily sure retirement is the way to go. Just try to make a, save a whole bunch of money and retire because you still have to have a purpose and an aim in life. So are you saying, are you saying Len, then don't chase early retirement, chase a new job if you hate your job? Or something, chase a new job, chase a new vocation, chase something that you love and try and work around that. Because I'm telling you, I do not see how anybody can retire in their thirties or forties. I mean, it gets boring. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing absolutely try. How much can you travel? How much can you, you know, go to ball games and spend money and sit around the house? You, you know, there's, have something. you know, there's people listening though, Len going, uh, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I'm trying to get, I, I keep on telling Mrs. OG that all I want for dinner is steak, potatoes, and green beans. And I said, she's like, you'll get sick of it. I said, try me, please, please try to get me sick. <laughs> no, don't you, like when you go on vacation, haven't you been, and Paul, I know you've probably done, you, you're out traveling. It doesn't it get, mm-hmm. it's great at first, but I mean, after maybe two weeks or three weeks, you're like, oh, this is, you know, there's gotta be, you gotta get back to being productive in some way. You know what oh, I'm saying? S- 
Certainly, but I think that that is the point of an early retirement is that then you have the option of being able to be productive in a way that is not necessarily tied to needing to earn a particular salary in order to keep uh, groceries on the table and and keep the lights on. Yeah, but so you got for, a plan, right? You got to you got to know first, right? You got to how am I going to be productive? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's critical, but you know, it could be the case that you decide to become a full-time stay-at-home parent. Uh, which is not an income-producing activity. It could be the case that you decide to open your own nonprofit or per- pursue an artistic career as a sculptor or a painter or a musician. Um, there are plenty of ways that you could be productive that don't necessarily correlate with getting an income. And I think that's the purpose of the FIRE movement. I think the RE in FIRE is kind of misplaced then, don't you? Isn't it really FI? I mean, is it really about being financially independent, Paula? It's not about retire so. early. Yeah, I, I think that the emphasis on early retirement is misplaced. It's it's a nice sell. It makes a nice headline. But what matters is being financially independent, not being retired. Oh, gee, how often do you, are, are you seeing this more often, people coming in saying, I want this extreme retirement, get me to retire by 32? On occasion, it comes up, but thankfully not too much because everything that that y'all just said is really what's happening. It's You can't try to find happiness or try to find excitement after you've you know crossed a finish line, right? You have to enjoy the race along the way. When we look at life in general, do you want to wait and do all the cool stuff when you're 60 or retire early when you're 50, and then I'll do all the stuff that I really want to do. I mean, just do the stuff that you want to do now and don't tolerate the stuff that you don't like to tolerate. I think people just settle for too much stuff now. It's That's probably the problem is that people almost feel like they have to martyr themselves to be able to qualify to retire or qualify to be financially. Well, I have to go through this trail of tears to be able to be okay with retirement. And that's baloney. You can be happy now. And retirement is not a time when you don't do anything. It's when you do what you want to do. So can you not technically be retired and at 32, but still doing what you love to do? I mean, isn't the phrase, if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, there's also in here, I want to pivot just a little bit, guys, because there's a point in here where they kind of talk about some of the clickbaity pieces of the fire movement, kind of Paula that, you know, there's some people making some promises about retirement that really aren't true. Like it's going to be a cakewalk afterwards. There's going to be confetti. It's going to be fantastic. Right. People kind of portraying this as something different than what's real. Do you agree with that? That there's maybe some false promises in the fire movement community today? I, I don't agree with that. I've, I have not seen that. I have, I guess in terms of mainstream media reporting on the fire movement, you know, so when the article is written by somebody who's not part of the movement and they're just trying to fulfill a a daily assignment and feed the content monster, sure, oftentimes the mainstream media coverage of the movement can be a little bit more clickbaity, a little bit more cakewalky confetti. But when you read bloggers who are going through this or who have gone through this, you know, somebody like Mad Fientist talks at length about his search for meaning after he retired early, after he quit his job as a software developer and, you know, was then faced with big chunks of day in front of him and had to figure out how to use that in a way that was actually meaningful. Um, So I think that there's a lot of that conversation that goes on within the movement. Yeah, we talked to Jeremy from Go Curry Cracker, too, and and Brandon, the mad scientist, and both of them 
I mean, neither one of those guys are just sitting around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mad Scientist is, uh, he goes to the gym every morning, and after that, he writes for several hours, and then after that, he uh, he's creating a musical album. Um, that was actually the reason that I gave the earlier analogy of somebody who might want to pursue a career in music. Like, he's a perfect example. He always wanted to be a musician, but then he did the quote-unquote safe thing and became a software developer, and now he saved up enough money that he can quit that and pursue his dream of being a, f- a full-time musician, even if that doesn't make any real money. That sounds like Len Penzo. I mean, I was going to say, that's just my life in reverse. I did it the other way. I, when I did the uh, the musician and making the album and doing the band thing uh, in my early 20s and took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> you can't make money. <laughs> you were a musician in your early 20s? Oh, uh, yes. What? I have I know yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. What, what did you play? I or still play, but Len, not very well anymore. I don't play it. I don't. I hardly. I I put it down. Uh, guitar and bass guitar. We gotta play your play the tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta play your. Uh, we gotta play uh, some music off your album sometime again. We did that a long time ago. We got. We totally got to do that again. That's yes, going to be fun. A, yeah, absolutely. It's got to get played somewhere. I should. I, I paid uh, $25,000 to get, get the darn thing recorded of my own money. <laughs> it's a very good album. It's a it's a great album. I enjoy Ladies it. and gentlemen, this is back before the age of the internet when it's anybody and their mother could record uh, sitting at their desk Podcast now. in a basement. I actually had to go to a <laughs> recording studio <laughs> and pay by the hour. <laughs> what What's up with that? Who does that? Yeah. yeah um, the old man here. Getting back to this, Paula, I, I think I agree with you. When I read fire blogs, I don't, I'm not reading irresponsible stuff. I'm with you. I think it's when I read major media pieces, they're really selling kind of the sugar that's not really the heart of what these people are talking about. So I've, <laughs> the sugar that's not the heart. They're selling the mixed metaphor. Yeah. There's a, hey, the, so can you help me out? Because he mentions in here fat and lean fire. I'll be honest, I never heard of, to me, fire meant uh, financial insurance and real estate. That's, right. that's what that meant to me. Right. That, that, so this is the first I heard of the, the fire. And he talks about fat and lean fire, but he doesn't explain it. So so what, oh. what are those? Does so anybody know? Le- lean fire is uh, the, the approach in which you slash your expenses uh, in order to retire as quickly as possible. Uh, the big example of that is Early Retirement Extreme by a blog by a guy named Jacob, where he lives on a budget of $7,000 per year. Yes, I'm familiar so, with Jacob, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the uh, the extreme frugality minimalist approach to FIRE is lean FIRE, whereas the increase your earnings, you know, increase your investments approach is fat FIRE. At least according to this article, that was the first time I'd ever heard the terms lean FIRE and fat FIRE as well. Is that is that P-H-A-T, fat? Like, <laughs> like cool, cool FIRE? No? All right. I, t- I think on that bad joke, we're going to move on. Our next piece comes to us from MarketWatch, says it just got more difficult for bank customers to find a free checking account. Bank of America shut down one of its checking accounts used by some low-income customers. It's written by Maria LaMagna. It says, bad news for low-income consumers. There's now one fewer place where you can store your cash for free. Bank of America has gotten rid of a free checking account called eBanking. Instead, account holders will be charged a $12 monthly fee if they don't have at least a $250 direct deposit that month or a daily account balance of $1,500 or more. The e-banking account debuted in 2010 and offered an affordable alternative to consumers without a lot of cash. Let's About time. <laughs> what do you mean about time? 
I'm joking, obviously. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like, wait a minute. As a shareholder in Bank of America, I'm <laughs> right. frustrated with the fact that we're giving all this money away. Right. Oh, he owns one share. Yes, yeah, I ha- of- I'm the guy that stands up in the back yes. of the annual meeting and goes, Excuse me, I have a question. They're like, Sir, you own one share. All the, yes. insur- all the interest the uh, Bank of America was paying out to those poor checking account holders. What is it, 0.01% interest? I don't, know. I don't know how they were able to keep their head above water with only $8 billion in profits or whatever. I mean, good thing they got rid of the $12 free checking account. I don't understand how people are actually still banking with major banking institutions and not, and not uh, credit unions. They tend to have a little bit better rates to begin with. And then on top of that, uh, they're just easier to deal with. And with the internet being able to search all that stuff, like how foolish is this, right? I mean, you can go, I want bank account, good rate, click, boom, here here you go. It like yes. takes 20 seconds and you don't have to do anything. It just seems, Paula, like banks like Bank of America spend a lot of time and energy preying on the poorest people out there. I think going with a major, unless there is some reason that you would have to go with a major bank, uh, don't do it. Stick with a credit union. Stick with a, a small local bank. You'll stick with an online only bank. You'll you'll just, you'll get much better deals. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's shocking to me. Uh, I guess it's the lack of financial literacy, a lack of people's awareness that they have other options that are keeping so many people in these um, big prey on the little guy banks. Len, uh, do you bank with a big bank? Uh, fairly, fairly large, but we have a credit union. That's, we do most of our stuff through the credit union. But I will say this. My mother-in-law sold her house uh, last year, and she, she got a nice profit off of it. And there was a lot – You know, she, we took that and we said, well, we're not going to put all of that profit into one bank. So we spread the, spread the wealth amongst five different banks. And it was an eye-opener going to the different – we went to some credit unions. We went to um, one credit union. We went to four other banks – Two local, a big one, Bank of America, um, and a, a medium-sized one. And I'll tell you, there is a big difference in service between the banks. And and the smaller the bank, uh, you got the better service. It was just better. You, you could just, it was just obvious. And so it was, it was quite an eye-opener. I just, I don't know. I got sick reading this article. We don't need to go into it too much. I think everybody has the same comment. Just get away, right? Get, get, get away from the bond. There's plenty of stuff to find online. I had to magnify money. I mean, go to a credit union. Just do something different. Bank of America, clearly. How many times does a major bank have to have these, these uh, like... Like mud on your face type of articles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because some, some bean counter goes, you know what we could do? <laughs> you know, we could do, we, we could charge that little guy. And the sad thing to your point, uh, Paula, financial literacy is so bad. You know, what's going to happen. There's going to be a bunch of people who leave their money there and are only going to notice it when that $12 starts draining their account. Mm. Or when they overdraft their account right. as a result of the fee, and then they have that's to pay an additional overdraft charge. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a good, that's a good profit raising opportunity. We should, uh, we should start charging the three listeners $12 an episode to listen to, <laughs> to the stuff. And then show. when they don't pay, charge them another 35. Right. right. <laughs> well, the good news is that we, we sent you the episode anyway. The bad news is now you owe us $37. Yeah. I thought it was 12 an episode. Well, it's an overdraft. Had you listened to it, it would have been much better. I think, uh, so let's go. Let's go over the lessons here, uh, Paula. Between the fire movement and uh, and taking advantage of customers, what's the takeaway? 
So I think the takeaway from the uh, discussion about the FIRE movement is be happy, cultivate your sense of inner happiness, which comes from practicing gratitude, being content, you know, exercise, meditation, like don't wait until the future to be happy, be happy now. And you'll probably be happier when you aren't with a screwy bank. Len? Yeah, I would say for the uh, FIRE, uh, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. And if you're younger, Try and guide your life towards what you like to do early and don't just pick a job because you think it's going to make a lot of money for you in the short term. And then for uh, what was the other one? The uh, oh, the banks. Yeah. Go small. Stick with the small banks and credit unions. The the big banks don't care about you. You're just fly poop in the pepper. <laughs> fly poop in the pepper. Oh, gee, follow that. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know that I've got a better analogy. The thing that I picked up from the first article that we didn't actually even spend any time talking about, so I'm glad you linked to it, is the piece about gratitude. And it dovetails a little bit on what uh, Paul said around be happy, practicing gratitude every single day and just being thankful for what you have uh, certainly will help your mood, if nothing else, uh, even if you have to go to that crappy job and get uh, hosed by Bank of America. <laughs> You know, to the tune of $144 a month. I'm so excited to introduce our next guest. He is the CEO and founder of a company called Better. And, you know, I've thought for a long time that mortgages are a place that really is ripe for some of this fintech disruption that we talk about a lot on the show. Well, Vishal Garg is the man in charge of this new firm, Better. Their goal, which you're going to find out, is to make the mortgage process more simple, to make it faster, and uh, way better. Is that a thing? For all Americans. Uh, He's also the founding partner of 1.0 Capital, a credit and financing technology incubator, where he's been a member of the founding team and currently serves as chairman of Climb Credit, the number in Phoenix Holdings. Previously, he was co-head and managing partner for Aramis ABS Group, uh, managing $6 billion plus of assets and the founder and president and CFO of My Rich Uncle, which had a 2005 NASDAQ IPO. He founded that one, by the way, at 21. This is a guy who uh, moves the needle, and I'm so excited we have him on the show. Uh, let's say hello to Vishal Garg from Better. And coming down the stairs to the basement from Better, it's my new friend Vishal Garg. How are you, man? Did you have a personal story or was it something? Yeah, no, it's funny. I never expected to have a personal mortgage story. It was 2013. It was funny because I was a portfolio manager of mortgage-backed securities and student loan securities. And in my prior life, I had started the first online student loan company. So I thought of myself as relatively sophisticated when it came to consumer finance or the mortgage market. And yet I realized I knew next to nothing about the actual process of what you have to go through to buy a house and and get a mortgage. And so even though we were fairly well off, my wife and I, we went to go find an apartment. And, you know, like most folks, we had had one child. We were expecting a second. And we thought, okay, like, why don't we stretch? Why don't we try to get something, you know, so that the kids eventually could have an extra, you know, a bedroom for themselves. You know, I had I'd grown up in a middle class family, and I think till the age of 12, me and my brother shared a bedroom and a bed. And, you know, I was like, maybe that was what I wanted. <laughs> my, my two boys, you know, I was like, can we do that? So we found an apartment that we wanted to buy. We found it like something that fit our budget. 
And we find, we went to see it with a realtor and we said, hey, you know, this this works for us. Me and my wife were like excited. This We could see ourselves spending the next 10, 15 years raising our children here and, and sending them to school and making a life for ourselves. So we put in a bid and the realtor, the first question the realtors asked was, are, are you going to get a mortgage? I was like, yeah, like, doesn't everyone get a mortgage? Uh, he's like, are you pre-approved? And I said, what is that? That was when I realized that I might know everything about finance and uh, securities and mortgage-backed securities, but I actually knew nothing about actually getting a mortgage. And so I said, no, I, I, we're not pre-approved. He says, well, I can't even take your offer unless you can get me a pre-approval letter from a bank. And that pre-approval letter's got to tell me that they're going to be willing to lend you the money to back up the bid. So you got to put down your down payment, let's say you're 20% of whatever you're going to spend. And then the remaining 80%, the bank's got to say they're good for that. Okay, I you know I guess lots of people like ten million plus people a year get a mortgage. So how hard can that be? And then I went through the process. So that night, uh, my wife actually worked at Citibank at the time at Citibank Ventures, and so she is. We're like you know well you know she said should we use Citibank? And I said well you know I heard like these commercials from the dot com era uh, where like on Lending Tree where like when banks compete you win. So I'm going to go on Lending Tree and try to get a better deal for us. So I went on Lending Tree and I put in all my data and nothing would happen. Like they would just say, we'll be right back to you. And the next, and so eventually I gave up. I said, okay, fine, I went to sleep. Uh, woke up the next day and my <laughs> phone was on fire. And it was Larry from Larry's Loans and Joey from like First American Funding and, and Vinny from Second American Funding and somebody else and all these people, all they wanted was to talk to me and say, I'm gonna do your mortgage and let's get started. Why don't you give me your social security number? It's like, I am not in the age of identity theft going to just have randomly send you my social security number and give you all my personal details, where we work, where my wife works, how much money we make, everything basically. Well, and this, uh, is, and this is also, I'm laughing because as a recovering financial planner, Vishal, I saw this all the time and you haven't even gotten to the point yet where the mortgage process has begun and it's a nightmare. Yeah, totally. Like we haven't even gotten to hello yet. Right? Right. This is like, this is just the first thing and it's already pretty crazy. I think I counted 63 phone calls. Uh, And so what I do, I shut down and I can't take these calls during work. Right. You know, it's like kind of embarrassing. You're not going to sit there. You know, most people now work in open plan offices, like telling everything about your personal finances, like going and talking about that. Right. It's like kind of getting a medical report in front of all your coworkers. Right. And sitting next to all of them. And so I was not going to do that. And then when I'd say, hey, can I talk to you guys later? They're like, well, we're open nine to five or you can come into a branch. I was like, this is crazy. I was like, this is not. How about Saturday, Sunday? No. Well, you know. Mortgage brokers are not open when people shop for houses. That made no sense. That was the first thing. I was like, oh, my God. And it was like reminding me of when we went to buy a car and literally like, you know, the car dealers are open nine to five, Monday to went, Monday to Friday. Um, and so it's, it's pretty crazy. And there was the same type of folks that are on the phone. So then we went and said, my wife's like, you don't have your stuff together. We're going to go and make an appointment. And so we made an appointment at the Citibank branch at Citibank headquarters where she worked. The guy said, we need an hour and a half. So I was like, okay, fine. So go there, sit, you know, on their couch, you know, drink their water and then sit like in the cube with the branch banker. And the guy's asking all these questions. And I was like, okay, fine. You're asking me these questions. I don't work for a big company. Yada, yada. I get it. They started asking my wife these questions. And I'm like, wait, she works here. All our accounts are here. And literally they made her log into her Citibank account and print out the bank statements at Citibank 
to then hand over those bank statements to the mortgage guy at Citibank. At Citibank. It's like crazy. <laughs> and I just realized this is totally messed up. And and I also know that – so in my early days as a financial planner, and this, this is going to date me, but I go get the newspaper, right, that would have today's rates. And then I found from an older advisor – he told me, and this is still the case, the rate that you see is everybody's best lie because the fee structure on mortgages, as you know, from company yeah. A to company C is spaghetti nightmare. Totally different, right? So someone's going to say, yeah, I'll get you this rate, but that rate comes with like a two-point origination fee. And another guy says, this is the rate, this is the no-cost mortgage, and it's something else, right? But they have something like a yield spread premium or a processing fee or a, <laughs> right. or a title insurance, all this crazy <laughs> stuff. And basically, ultimately, what I but, but it got me curious because 15 years ago, I had spent a ton of time researching the student loan industry when I had a tough time getting a student loan when it was tough. And we built this unbelievable company in the height of the dot-com era. And I said, there's just something here. And I started researching and I realized basically all of the technology that the mortgage industry used to have or all the good stuff that people had built in the 2000s had basically been thrown in the garbage post the credit crisis. And it had just been all absorbed by a couple of big mortgage brokers that effectively run like glorified call centers where they take your data, punch it into like Google Forms and then turn it into like a manual phone and PDF fax process or the big banks. I said, this is terrible. If I, as a sophisticated person, am encountering this, what is the average person who's, you know, 35 to 45 and trying to buy their home for the first time where they want to raise their kids and and save up savings so that they have money for college or for retirement. You know, 70% of an average consumer savings are in their home. The average homeowner has $157,000 net worth. The average renter has a $7,000 net worth. And it's been the vessel for savings and socioeconomic mobility for the bulk of like the past 60, 70 years in American society. It's like, if this is so bad for me, how bad is it for everyone else? And I started looking around and what I realized is I started researching and researching and the deeper I got, I just really, it was so surprising that the way, this industry basically operated like the internet was never invented. <laughs> Why isn't this better? Why isn't this better? And I was like, well, you know what? I was in a unique place in time. We didn't end up buying a new place and instead, I took the down payment, I talked to my wife, and we started a mortgage company. Wow. And we called it Better. Yeah. And we got lucky that we first registered BetterMortgage.com. And I think it must have been fate, but literally after we registered BetterMortgage.com, some guy in like Ontario, Canada who owned Better.com responded to my like cold email to him and said, hey, yeah, you know, I like what you're doing and I'd be down to do a deal to like sell you Better.com. And I'm like, Great. I was like, this is Kismet. You know, we was meant to be and we're here to make home ownership better for all Americans. And so that's how we got started. That's awesome. And, and Let's talk about how the process works then. How have you guys cleaned up the mortgage buying process? So ultimately the way we've cleaned it up is we really researched it and we realized ultimately what it, mortgages are about. It's like a three-way matching process. Kind of like you're on Spotify and depending on your mood, what you've listened to in the past, your attributes and your preferences, you get matched with a certain piece of music and then recommended the next piece of music and so on and so forth. Or on a dating site, like you have a set of attributes and a set of preferences and the person you want to date has a set of attributes and certain preferences and you get matched. So mortgages are basically that where you as a person 
It's about your credit score, your LTV, the loan to value, which is the how much is the house worth and how big of a loan do you need? Most people like if they've got buying a $500,000 place, and you need, they want to put down $100,000 down and they need $400,000 loan. And then your debt to income ratio, which is how much money do you make and how much money do you owe to other people and the debt divided by your income, basically your monthly debt payments divided by your income, because they, they want to make sure that you're not over leveraged right at the time that you get the loan. So you're not in over your head. You're getting a mortgage or a monthly housing payment that you can afford. So those are the three key ratios that matter about a person. And then, you know, with respect to a property, there are a couple of key things that matter about a property. And if you get those things and you're able to compile that data, ideally, really quickly, digitally, direct from the source, you can match that at the back end with all of these investors. So mortgages on the back end, huge market. $15 trillion in size, the largest financial market out there, 180 billion trades a day of Fannie like wow. mortgages. Basically, what we did was we connected this massive market and all these ma these investors on the back end with their preferences with this matching engine. And we built a matching engine. We got on board an awesome team. You know, our CTO is a former head of machine learning and recommendations at Spotify. So Almost more than half the code in the Spotify recommendation engine matching people to their music catalog is his. And we got him to start working on building this matching engine. We brought in programmers from all sorts of other consumer-facing companies that have made the process delightful. We knew that financial education is going to be really important. So we brought on board Taylor and Shabala from LearnVest, and they brought their team over. And so, you know, we're creating an entire awareness and understanding of why home ownership is important, what's the best path to home ownership and really educating the consumer because unfortunately now you know we we had the the health crises of the early 90s yeah. and we started teaching sex ed in education, but we had a whole credit crisis where a whole chunk of people in this country didn't pass the basic like this is how much money I make, this is how much money I owe test. And we still don't have financial education or financial literacy in schools. So it's up to us to kind of educate the American consumer, particularly this next generation of young people, all the benefits of homeownership and how to make it easy. You come to our site, you tell us a little bit about yourself. We tell you the best house you can afford. We get you a mortgage and we help you buy the house and you're good and you're on your way. Do you guys then service the mortgages after the mortgage is done? Because you talk about, you know, the machine learning and matching people on the back end. But, but you know, five years from now is better going to have my mortgage or am I going to be with U.S. Bank later on or some other company? Yeah. So the way it works today is for a certain number of our mortgages, we service them ourselves. For another batch of mortgages, we are the master servicer and we manage the servicing. We eventually hope to do it all. And for others, we're matching mostly like jumbo mortgages, mortgages that are $2 million or up in size that are special cases. Uh, in some of those cases, some of the bank investors that we have want to like service those themselves. And so we, you know, we transfer the servicing. But our goal in the next two to three years is to insource the entire process totally for ourselves. Cool. And we've already started doing that for a huge chunk of, especially a lot of the more progressive or uh, mortgages that we do that are for first time home buyers, we service those ourselves. No commission, no origination fee. I mean, that's a, that, that's a huge cost cuts for a lot of consumers out there. Yeah. On average, like if you compare us to Quicken Loans, we're 1% a year cheaper. So on a $500,000 mortgage, we literally save you $5,000 a year, 400 and you know, $50 a month in your pocket. 
And if I can't sleep at 1 a.m., I can get my uh, pre-approval letter from you at, at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I, I mean, that's like a rare thing. You can get your pre-approval <laughs> online three minutes on your mobile. But really, when you want to get your pre-approval letter is when you're shopping on Sunday and you got to decide, oh, should I yeah. call this mortgage broker that's not going to return my phone call till Monday, 9.01 a.m., right? Right? Or I can just go online and just figure out what's the maximum I can bid for this house and make that bid right there and know I'm going to be good for it with Better.com. And I love what you said about your wife working at City and doing the mortgage through City and her having to print out the stuff and send it to City. The bank account integration. I think yeah, you can't. I mean, for you, us, basically, we get your credit bureau for you directly. We get your bank statements for you directly. We can get your W-2s and pay stubs directly. We verify your income directly. We can get the IRS statements and get it directly from the source, which is awesome also because that for many of the people financing us, you know, before the credit crisis, like. Mortgage fraud was like 40% of defaults were related to mortgage fraud. That was people lying or loan officers or mortgage brokers right. lying about consumers' attributes. So all these investors were scared about that. That's how we make a better mortgage is we're able to deliver directly from the source. So our mortgages are lower risk, which means you can charge a lower rate. Right. And we can pass that rate on to the consumer and everyone wins. Yeah. Ultimately, better for the not just for the consumer, better for the lender, better for you, better for everybody. Yeah. which a good name there, better.com. We'll, we'll link to it in our show notes for everyone. If you're out walking the dog or on your morning run or walk or driving to work, whatever it might be. Vishal Garg, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and telling us about better. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. There is nothing better than a good groundhog joke. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, I just found it. <laughs> oh, just so funny. Oh, oh, okay, all right, I found the best site. Turns out that someone owns GroundhogDayJoke.com. I wonder how many millions some entrepreneur paid for that precious piece of real estate. It was totally worth it. Oh my God, there's such great material here. Like this one. What would you get if you crossed Groundhog Day with a puppy? Ground dog day. <laughs> what a ground dog day. Oh my God. Or this gem. What happened when a groundhog met the dog catcher? He became a pound hog. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's pure comic gold, I'm telling you. I'd love to read you three or four more of these, but before I write some fan mail to this guy, I'll give you some Groundhog-related trivia. How old is Punxsutawney Phil, a.k.a. the Groundhog? I'll be back after I poke my head outside and see if we'll have six more hours of mom singing show tunes from that Greatest Showman movie. Hey stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler, or is that what, just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. 
I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Chase just recently had 100000 on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are extremely profitable for large banks, and they are really wanting to get more customers. And so they're they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say, if, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. When you're done messing around with us, who do you want to teach you some money tricks? That nerd who talks over your head or your favorite basement-based geeks? Kathleen Selmans operates our Stacking Benjamins classroom. And to make up for the fact that we don't teach you anything here on the show, she's created a whole lot of tools you'll absolutely love. Head to learn.stackingbenjamins.com for details. And use coupon code DougRocks for 10% off. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey there, trivia lovers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I have good news and bad news. We're going to start with the bad news first. There will definitely be six more hours of the greatest showman show tunes from Joe's mom. That woman's belting away to that cassette tape she's got stuffed into her boombox. Hey, but in better news, there are more jokes than you can shake a small furry animal at on this GroundhogJoke.com website. Listen to this scorcher. What happens if the ground log sees its shadow? We'll have six more weeks of splinters. <laughs> splinters. Can you see the kid how it, it's log, ground log, and splinters. It's subtle. You got to pay attention. But it's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Or this side splinter. What do you call a groundhog who eats too much? A round hog. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, not that one. Sorry, not that one. But anyway, I'd love to give you more of these gems. But how about some trivia first? Today's question was this. How old is Punxsutawney Phil, a.k.a. the Groundhog? If you said 126 years old, you'd be one year off. But it's understandable because I hear he lied on his driver's license so he could buy beer. Anyway, he's actually 127. The average Groundhog lives to be between six and eight years. But Phil, he takes a magical elixir every summer to extend his lifespan. One side effect, though, the elixir also changes his appearance, much like Doctor in the Doctor Who thing, which explains why Phil may be gray one year and youthful brown the next. Alas, the elixir does not work on humans. Quote, we've tried, it just makes them fat and bald, says Ron Plauka, stump warden of the inner circle of Groundhog Club and co-handler of Phil. If you saw some of our inner circle members, you can tell the ones that tried, unquote. See? And you think you didn't learn anything on this show. And the winner, if we're playing prices right style, which is the way we always do this, Len Penzo, you're the winner. 
No, I can't be. Am I the winner? Yeah, you said 83 years, which, oh, gee, you were over 165. <laughs> that was the closest. And Paula, 72. You should have said a dollar. Why did you just say a dollar? <laughs> or one year. Yeah, big stuff. Isn't that fascinating, Paula? Are you going to tell you all your friends? I'm tweeting about it right now. <laughs> right. Speaking of things to tweet about, uh oh, oh, oh. Looks like somebody needs help. All three of those O's are sponsored by Bloom Smart Simple 401k Management. Well, do you have a 401k? Remember how frustrating it was deciding what to invest in without professional help? Now there's a better way to grow your 401k. Bloom with three O's is a simple, smart, and affordable way to grow it. Go online to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Bloom to find out more. With Bloom, I don't say it right. Say it, Len. Bloom. With Bloom, you can simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps. But he wouldn't even say it that way, Len. He'd say, with Bloom, you can simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps. But we don't have four hours to do this. Then sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account, chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. Their pricing is $10 a month regardless of account size. With their free analysis, you can see the impact they can make on your 401k before you even pay. And Bloom's one of the fastest growing robo-advisors fighting for your right to retire. I thought they were going to say fighting for your right to party. I would have been cool. Bloom is cool. Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part's remembering there's three O's. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Bloom and enter promo code SB for your first month free and see the difference Bloom can make in your retirement. We are helping. Bloom. <laughs> Bloom. You know, that, that promotional code's almost ridiculously easy to crack. You ever do that and go to those promotional codes and just start putting wild things in there and seeing if they'll work? Like discount five or something like that. You are you, know, or, are you or saying somebody could get away with the... Off. Somebody could get away with the Bloom promo and not even listen to the show. (laughs) I mean, SB is kind of a random uh, series of two letters, right? Imagine all the ones they would try first. AQ, DE, R. Stacking Benjamins, SB. Yeah, but if they didn't... But in terms of ones, random ones to crack. To Paula's point, if they don't know... put in SB. Yes. It's got to be like S. It's got to be a safe... Hey, Bloom, it's got to be a safe code, like... SB exclamation point hashtag or something. <laughs> Great. Because because they don't want anybody to remember it or use it. <laughs> they don't want anybody to use it. Yeah. Yeah. It needs two-factor authentication. Yeah. We're going to send you six emails and get your blood first before you head to that. Yeah. Well, are we ever going to get to the question here? This question comes from our new friend, Charlie. Say hi, Charlie. Hey, Joe and OG. Charlie here. I love the show. Been listening for a while now and thought I would chime in with a question. I was hoping to talk to mom, but it looks like I got her voicemail instead. Anyway, a little background info. My wife and I are both 27. We each give 6% to our 401ks to get the full company match. We don't have any debt other than our mortgage that'll be paid off in about 14 years, assuming we don't move. I just started a Roth IRA a few months ago and plan to max it out for this year. Before starting that, we did open up a 529 when our son was born about 10 months ago, and it only has a few thousand in it. I was thinking instead of continuing to add money into that 529 that I should open another Roth IRA for my wife and start putting the money into there. We would only have roughly an additional five to 7,000 to invest after we max out my Roth IRA. What are your thoughts on saving for retirement versus the 529? I am leaning towards opening the second Roth and maxing it out 
since when our son goes to college, I think we'll be able to cash flow most of that expense since our home will be paid off. As always, I never learn anything. In fact, I think I might have just killed a couple more brain cells. Now I know how Doug feels. Thanks and keep up the great podcast. Thanks for the awesome note, Charlie. And uh, Len, let's start with you, man. What, what do you the think? You have five, f- 529 or Roth IRA? I think I've made myself clear many times here that to me, I say for myself first, my kids always come second. Uh, so I would say the Roth, that's just me. But, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen down the road. And I just, I just, that's, that's how I feel. You're a selfish. Yes, I, <laughs> I say for me, no, I'm kidding. Paula, what do you think? Definitely, definitely the Roth IRA for a couple of reasons. First of all, having a secure retirement is one of the best gifts that you can give your child. Because if your child, when they are in their 20s or 30s, has to worry about the fact that mom and dad don't have an adequately funded retirement, that's a huge stress on a on an adult kid. So saving for retirement is something that you are doing for your child. Number two, your kid can take out a student loan if needed, but you cannot take out a retirement loan. So frankly speaking, your kid has more time on their side than you do. And number three, if you want the best of both worlds, you mentioned that you would be able to save somewhere between five to $7,000. If you can reach the $7,000 mark, the higher end of that range, well, then you can save $5,500 in your wife's Roth IRA and still have another $1,500 per year to put into that 529. So you're pretty selfish too, Paula. Uh, I I think that uh, it's best for everybody involved when retirement comes first. <laughs> uh, OG, what do you think? Everybody's so pragmatic. Everybody makes too much sense. <laughs> Anything, Dad? I would stop saving for retirement altogether. <laughs> Just bank it all on your kid and hope he's a doctor. I mean, doctors make good money. Maybe a internet celebrity, or um, that's what that's what my mom did. She went, hey, <laughs> now that you're this internet celebrity, how about throwing some change my way? Paula's got it exactly right. And I think this is the important piece. Best thing that you can do is make it so your kids don't have to think about you. <laughs> really? I mean, let me like, let, let me tell you something, because I my kids know I don't have a 529 for them. Right. And you know what made them accept that? I told them if I was going to be poor in retirement, guess who was going to be changing my diapers? It wasn't going to be some nurse at a at a home that I could afford. It was going to be them. So then they were all suddenly good with it. They're like, gross, dad. <laughs> yeah. Who changes your diapers now, though? That's what I'm <laughs> That's what inquiring minds want to know, Len. Yeah, yeah you got to take care of yourself. I've had too many people come into my office at 52 or 58 and go, I got my three kids through college. They don't have a single drop of student loan debt. You know, I've cash flowed it all and I got $119,000 in my 401k. How am I doing? Can I retire in four years? And you're like, uh, no, maybe in 14 years if you save half your money, right? So this is exactly right. You got to do your thing first. If you got cash flow, great. If not, kid can make it up as he goes. Join the Marine Corps. Thanks for the question, Charlie. If you've got a question for us, uh, head to stackybenjamins.com. And you'll see questions for the show. We also get mail. And Doug just brought down today's letter, which comes to us from Johnson. He says, I came to know about you through uh, one of your sponsors, who's my employer. First of all, I want to thank you for making financial discussions entertaining. Doug is really hilarious. Oh, man. Do not let Doug read that. 
Also, I have to appreciate Joe's magnanimous heart for allowing Doug to poke fun at your mom. Doug might be one of the biggest narcissists I might have ever known. Doug might be one of the biggest narcissists. Might be. Uh, I have one question. I changed my employer in September 2016. We did not have a 401k initially. So in the beginning of 2017, I opened an IRA with E-Trade. However, my employer started a 401k sometime in July of 2017. My wife and I earn a combined salary of more than $200,000 a year. My question is that, am I allowed to have a private IRA since I have a 401k? Keep up the good work. As Doug says, this show could not have gone on without him. Right, man, somebody is in the Doug fan club, unfortunately. But, uh, OG, where do we go with this one, man? So the answer is, uh, yeah, you're allowed to have one, but uh, no, you don't get a tax deduction for it. So because you have a 401k option at work, whether or not you participate in it is immaterial. But because it's there, the deductibility of the contribution is is really limited based on income, and you're well above that. So uh, no deductibility, it's fine to have. You're going to want to shift your future contributions probably to your 401k to be able to get the deduction. But then Paula, he can still do, because the government just kind of indirectly put their blessing on this practice, right? The backdoor Roth. Yeah, absolutely. So with a backdoor Roth IRA, you can put money into a non-deductible traditional IRA and then convert a pro rata share of that proportionate to your other assets in IRAs into a Roth IRA. So you'll want to get an accountant on board uh, if you're doing that because calculating the specific share of the amount that you put into the non-deductible trad is something that an accountant needs to do. But uh, but yeah, that is the, the legal loophole workaround. The first time, Len, that Apollo said uh, non-deductible trad, I had no idea what the heck trad meant. I'm still trying to figure out pro rata. So... <laughs> It's slang. It's millennial slang. Millennial retirement slang. You young whippersnappers. Len's like five years later. I'm just wondering what the hell I'm doing here. (laughs) What's going on here? Uh, Thanks for the question, Johnson. If you've got a letter, we prefer that you call the Bloom Hotline. Uh, But either way, Bloom Hotline. Sorry, I messed it up, Len. Uh, Head to stackybedjamins.com and it says uh, questions for the show and you'll see all the ways to get a hold of us. Thanks to everybody who's left reviews of this show. We get hilarious reviews and uh, this one's going on Mom's Refrigerator. Five stars from VVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVVV
So you'll have to tune in for the answer. That is at the Afford Anything podcast. Right. I love that. And then I got an American Express card, Dad. Two <laughs> <laughs> percent rewards, cash back. Uh, Len Penzo. And what's going on at that crazily titled LenPenzo.com? Hey, in order to, to maintain the standards here of not learning a darn thing, uh, I'm going to share the ongoing debate at my blog that uh, comes up every once in a while about Miracle Whip versus mayonnaise. Love that debate. Uh, the debate rages. I did a hundred word post on it and the uh, back and forth with the readers on whether Miracle Whip or mayonnaise, especially on a tuna sandwich, uh, is something to behold. I got so, I got to say. Come on by and see what everybody's saying. Hellman's light. Yep. Len, can you throw like a veganaise in there too, just oh. to, to spice it up? Oh. <laughs> veganaise. I've heard of that. That's a new one. That's a new one by me. I think vegan. So, okay, so one of my favorite little condiments is you mix veganaise with ketchup and sriracha sauce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds delicious. I'll stick with the mayo. <laughs> yeah, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. No, no, you're no. from Michigan. It's, it seems to me Miracle Whip is is very popular in the Midwest. It is. Yeah, yes. I grew I grew it's up garbage. on. <laughs> it's, grew up yeah, on well, my parents are from the Midwest, and that's what I grew up with as a kid, and I hated it. I grew up with so. Miracle Whip, Len, and I also my mom bought that country crock. Like it doesn't say the words <laughs> butter anywhere near it. Crock it. Like crock. Country crock. We, uh, yeah. we just get butter. Well, no. It's going to go with this instead. This is, this doesn't melt as good. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for playing. We'll see everybody back here on Monday. Go stack some Benjamins. Doug, what should cool. we have learned? Uh, well, oh. I'm doing good too. So see you bye. All right. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Joe, why don't you get back to playing with that Beanie Baby Groundhog you got here, and, and I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. Hey, Groundhog Day fans, and who doesn't that include? Hey, let's repeat what you should have learned today. First, interested in the fire movement? Start out by finding work you love and still save aggressively. You'll appreciate both of those down the road. Second, getting a mortgage? Take advice from Vishaw Garg and watch the fees. They can drain your wallet in a hurry. But the big lesson, don't spend too long on this GroundhogDayJoke.com site or you'll have a stomachache from these amazing jokes. Oh my God, they're so... Check this out. Why was the groundhog depressed about his den? He was having a bad lair day. Oh, it's so good. Oh, the bad lair day. A bad lair day. See, you know, like bad hair day. Bad. Anyway... Special thanks to Vishal Garg for joining us. For more on Better, head to better.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. And special thanks to Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests 
in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And hey, thanks to GroundhogJoke.com for this amazing material. Check this one out. What do you call a royal groundhog? A groundhog. Crowned hog. It's a crowned hog. It's just, is there no end to this man's genius? I'm not ever going to leave this site. Welcome to the after show. I don't know if you all saw this headline. Thirsty robot gets fired from supermarket job. This is unmashable. You see this, Paula? Um, no. <laughs> so, so they talk about how automation's coming to get our jobs, right? Uh-huh. Clearly, that's not happening today with this robot. Good news. A robot just learned dating rule numero uno the hard way that coming on too strong and inevitably leads to rejection. Meet Fabio, a robot who was placed as a shopping assistant in the Scottish supermarket Margiotto. He was supposed to help customers find their items as well as give price information and do other helpful things that supermarket employees do. However, it turned out he wasn't doing great at his job, according to reports. Not only could Fabio not adequately give customers the information they asked for, his program personality quirks ended up creeping people out. He would apparently yell out, hello, gorgeous, to customers in greeting and give unwanted. That's what I do it's when I go shopping. <laughs> hey, gorgeous. And give unwanted high fives and even hugs. Boundaries, Fabio, heard of them. So unfortunately, when customers started actively avoiding Fabio, his Margiota employers had to let the little guy go. They fired him, Len. They fired the robot. You know what? I To hear that, somebody call me gorgeous, I I think I'd uh, give the guy the ro- – do robots accept tips? Yeah, you're like you're like all about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think that – who'd be complaining about that? And this, and this site plays – I seriously have no idea. Okay. (laughs) This led me to wonder about jobs that you might have had that didn't work out or a job that you got fired from. Oh, gee, I'm sure you've been fired from some uh, rotten job or have just a horrible job story for us. Oh, my. Really? (laughs) I found it. I found it on this one. Okay. I've never been fired from a job, I don't think. I mean, I did kind of all the crappy stuff that you do as a kid, right? You wash dishes and that sort of thing. The place that I worked at is um, a pretty popular place back in uh, nearby my hometown um, for this uh, type of food they serve. If I say it, 
most people who are around there will know exactly what, what restaurant this is. So I'm not even going to bring it up. Big family restaurant. <clears throat> and um, uh, now this was in the, I guess, probably early 90s. I guess maybe before there were people who checked on this stuff. But it was family style, right? So you'd get a plate of food, but it's for the whole table, right? And uh, if you didn't use it all, a lot of times that would end up. Oh up no, that stuff. Yeah, for the next group. Oh which I thought was pretty, no pretty nice. way. Oh. oh yeah, totally. Now it wasn't like mashed potatoes where people could like you know stick their spoons in and stuff like that. It was more of the you know main protein of the me- of the meal, but uh, oh but never the. You just lost your mic. <laughs> this is so not our show yeah i know it doesn't make it any better it uh uh yeah so i guess that's about it i didn't i don't think that i've had a job that i got fired from i used to do a lot of stupid stuff when i was a kid when i delivered newspapers but that was more just mischief than paula did you get fired from a job yeah, I was a server at a restaurant, and I got fired on my very first day. Really? Day one, what happened? Day Impressive. one. The first, no, it was the second table, and it was a huge, I don't, don't remember how many people were in the party, but they took up two different tables. So it was the table of maybe six grown-ups, and then another table of about six kids. And the kids ordered their food first when the grown-ups had just ordered drinks, Uh, So I served the kids their food and then they got like all tired and cranky and they wanted to leave. So the grownups got up and left the table without like canceled the meal after the order had already been sent to the kitchen and the boss got mad and fired me. It had nothing to do with you. I'll say nothing to do with you. I mean, I think probably he was just angry that I didn't have the like, you know, in, in terms of like my responsibility, I should have been able to anticipate that that was going to be a problem or just have better control over a party of 12. So, you know, I was in probably a bit over my head. Like I've, I'd never served a table of that size before. That's so, Uh, but but that's so frustrating. I mean, that says more to training or lack of training than anything you did, I think. Oh, well, well, thank you. Now, in fairness, this was a brand new restaurant. It had just opened. So, uh, you know, the the bosses had intentionally overhired with the intention of just oh. calling. And you were the first one to get called. For, <laughs> for, I actually was not. That's the first. what happens, I folks. <laughs> I was the second one to get called. <laughs> that's, that's congratulations, by the way. I'm well, not, thank you. I'm not being the first. Len, I, now I know that there's no way you've had a rotten job. Uh, well, I, I worked at a bank when I was younger in my early twenties and I got fired for taking a little, taking some, about $200 out of a drawer once. Did you know you didn't? No, I didn't. <laughs> I don't have anything. No so that, that's, I just thought I'd make that up. You know, the only thing I could think I'm sitting here, the whole, everybody, <laughs> OG and Paul are talking and I'm trying to think. And the, all I could tell is, you know, I worked as a box boy and one of our jobs was to do cleanups, you know, clean up on aisle seven, clean up on aisle five. And clean up in aisle 12, I always made me shudder. I hated that because aisle 12 was the syrup, the pancake syrup. And that's back in the days when pancake syrup came in glass bottles. And have you ever tried to clean up a mess of broken syrup on a floor and trying to get that up? That was the – and there's broken glass. That was the worst job it made me want to quit every time i heard cleanup on aisle 12 oh. and uh, let me tell you that's uh just the worst that's the only thing i can think of but i've never been fired i couldn't um 
Uh, I should have been fired from McDonald's when I worked there one time. This uh, it was in the middle of summer, and uh, and I'm this this high school kid, and I'm working the drive-through, and the boss told us fifty million times, always take people's money first. It was it wasn't like the new ones. And by new, I mean <laughs> the ones this century. <laughs> it was it was there was one window, right? You took their money and then you handed them their food. It wasn't this two window crazy system. But these two women had just come right from the beach. And actually, they were, you know, uh, high school girls my age. And they're in bikinis in a, in a convertible. And they pull up and, and immediately they start flirting with me. And I hand them their food before I get their money. And they smile and they wave and they like blow me a kiss and they pull away. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize for probably three or four minutes that I hadn't gotten their money. I was, I was like, oh, check that out. That was, oh, crap. Like realized it later. And uh, luckily I didn't get fired for that. But that was. Did it come out of your pay? They that was, your yes, pay? they did dock my pay. Yep. Yeah, I ended up buying for two cheeseburgers. Yeah, congratulations, women. I, I, I bought <laughs> I, I bought your I, I bought your fast food that day. There was another time though. I worked uh, as a disc jockey playing late night party, so you'd have this rotten fast food afterwards on your way home, and you know it's like two o'clock in the morning, and Taco Bell's open. I remember one day, and I pull up, and my bill is like four dollars and thirty five cents, and so I pull up to the window. And I hand the dude a five and he gives me back like a $10 bill and 65 cents. <laughs> and it, it was funny because at first I, at first I thought, well, I should give him the money back. And then I remembered this, this emo Phillips joke where emo says, he said that he had found this wallet in a park and it had the person's name and everything. And it had a hundred dollars in it. He said at first, I thought, well, I should, you know, what would I want to have happen? I'd, I want my money back. He goes, but then I really seriously thought, what would I want to have happen? And my brain said, I'd want to be taught a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about that right then. The dude gives me my food and he gives me 10 bucks when I just gave him five. And I, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I waved and I left. Yeah, I was like, Did you blow, blow him a kiss on your way out there? You <laughs> I know, <laughs> I should have. Yes. And you know, I'm just thinking you should have had Greg McFarlane here for this conversation. Oh, yeah, right. Right. There's some stories about getting fired. Yes, there, there are some stories. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks for playing. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's military appreciation month and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military and of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 